Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. HarperCollins presents Her Majesty's Royal Coven by Juno Dawson. Neve, Helena, Elle, and Leone, four lifelong friends who also happen to belong to the oldest coven in the United Kingdom. When oracles predict the genocide of all witches, the women must choose where their allegiances lie, with the coven or with each other. The New York Times called Her Majesty's Royal Coven superb and charming. From best-selling author Juno Dawson comes a brand new fantasy trilogy for fans of a discovery of witches or the craft. Out now in hardback and audiobook, narrated by Nicola Coughlin, star of Bridgerton. Her Majesty's Royal Coven by Juno Dawson. Welcome to So I Got to Thinking, the weekly Sex and the City podcast where we take the iconic questions of Carrie Bradshaw and apply them to modern life and love. You are listening to Juna Dawson and Mr. Winkle. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> it's not. It's Dylan B. Jones. He's not a small Pomeranian. <laughs> He's a human. And we're also joined by a very special guest this week. Now, when you are a journalist in queer media, you have to be very careful about playing favourites with drag queens. <laughs> but I'm a, I'm a risk taker, so I'm just going to say it. This week we're joined by my favourite drag queen. It's the lovely Tia Coffee. Welcome to So I Got to Thinking. Yay, thank you for having hi, me. Hi, hi. Hello. Um, how are you, Tia? I'm wonderful. I'm having a gorgeous time. Um, <laughs> and I'm, I'm, I'm joining you two, so it's even better. Thank you for coming on. We're honoured. We love you the most. And and I love you especially. And do you know what it is? So this is why I'm allowed to have favourites. It's because we're both very big Doctor Who fans. So that's that's what makes you, that's what elevates you above just a drag queen. You're also a Doctor Who fan, your family. I mean, the glamorous geek, what can I say? I, the biggest Doctor Who fan. I feel like that's really our bonding moment together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel like if we could talk about Doctor Who, see if we could like weave in Doctor Who references. I keep laughing. <laughs> Throughout. I keep laughing at that meme of Billy Piper where she's where the caption's like choosing to go on a night out with the girls and Billy Piper's like, do I pack it all in for danger? <laughs> I keep laughing. <laughs> Stay at home with my mum, my job, my boyfriend. Um your season tier of Drag Race UK was the best season. Possibly of Drag Race. Thank you. Yeah. Um I like to say that we had, you know, we we built on the success of season one yeah. to make it an iconic season. And then season three happened and that was nice for them. Um, <laughs> I don't disagree is what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> but I know, so, now this is interesting because now sometimes on this podcast we do draw back the curtain to look into our inner lives. When I have my lunch, when I'm writing, I watch... A person on YouTube who I think is called Bussy Queen. Oh, we love Bussy and Queen. Bussy Queen makes a lot of content about. In fact, I think they've built quite a lucrative career out of talking about Drag Race. Mm-hmm. And I was watching um, their recent video about All Stars Seven, the All Winners season, and they mentioned that I think it is now the most highly ranked season. But I think in number two is. Drag Race UK season two. So I think you are one of the very highest ranking seasons if you look on IMDb. Oh, really? That's mm-hmm. that's lovely to know. I For me, I think it was episodes one to six that really carried that season. Um, um, why, Absolutely. Why, why, why do you think that was? 
<laughs> I just think there were some really iconic characters there. Some, someone got eliminated dressing uh, as a pterodactyl. <laughs> there are worse reasons to be eliminated. I mean... <laughs> No, I, I did all my looks on that season for stupid childhood reference that, references that would amuse me. So I dressed as a pterodactyl because I loved the Pink Ranger in Power Rangers. And she always screamed pterodactyl. So here we mm-hmm. are. <laughs> also, the, the pornography that is most burn onto my mind. And when I die, my final words will be pterodactyl porn. Um, that's, what you, that's what you were giving. I could only assume you had seen that porn film where various gentlemen dressed as pterodactyls made love to a cave girl. I, I... use made love very loosely. <laughs> it's, it's not love, it's just sex. Um, I, that, was, that was a little reference for you, everyone. It will come back into play later on. Um, I have not seen that, but I am available for bookings if a sequel is made. <laughs> Excellent. Um, I just want to talk. I just want to, well, you know, once we've stopped recording this podcast, Dylan and I want to know everything about season two. But we should, I suppose, talk about Sex and the City because otherwise our listeners are going to be like, huh? Um, <laughs> this week, I sent you all away with the assignment of watching season five, episode seven, The Big Journey. Dylan, do you want to give us a potted synopsis? Yeah, so... In continuing in season five, it's just really bizarre. Season five is bizarre. Like, what is going on? Um, Carrie and Samantha get a train to San Francisco for Carrie's book reading, or is it the West Coast uh-huh. launch? Um, Something sort of like the that. tour for her, like a tour for her book. Um, yeah. And Carrie is horny and wants to fuck Mr. Big. Um, because he's living out there. He's got like, is he? Has he got like a vineyard or something? He's on like a vineyard. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. and we see Harry again. Um, yes. Charlotte has an encounter with Harry in the bachelor pad. Um, which is a whole mood. And fuck all for Miranda. She's barely in it. <laughs> Literally nothing. Um, Cynthia Nixon was having a week off. <laughs> yeah, she's on holiday. Clearly. Um, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, some interesting. Um, a very memorable episode, I think. It is. It's that I think sometimes, and I think particularly in this season, there are kind of like event episodes, mm. which kind of feel like they wanted to bring Mr. Big back, but we've got to kind of try hang an episode around it. So we have to somehow answer the question, are we the new bachelors? Mm. <laughs> which kind of has nothing to do with anything, um, so least of all Carrie's trip to San Francisco, um, which I suppose. So we we'll, we will come to this question. We will. I I found a way to try shoehorn in this question cool. right. by asking about is a gay bachelor different to a straight bachelor, and we'll we'll get into gay culture versus straight culture. Love That's it. the only way I can think to make this interesting or relevant. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> But what we will do in the meantime is we will just talk about our ridiculous adventures on public transport, which I really think is the true question that Carrie wanted to ask, which is, have you ever had sex on a train? Tea or coffee? Um, do you know, <laughs> oh, what, what legal parameters am I breaking down? <laughs> that's, that's it. There are none. We're in a, a safe space. I have not ever had sex on a train. However, (laughs) so that's my final answer (laughs) on that situation. Although you know, we've had we've had we've had a little free song on public transport on occasion, um, which I think is technically not legal so that's but i didn't specify what it was so you just had yeah. a frisson i will also admit i've had a frisson on public transport Dylan. Oh, we've all had a frisson on public transport surely <laughs> because when you are in your 20s and you can't afford a cab you have had some drinks the night and bus. you've been on a date yeah and then you're going back to someone's house after the date and you just start a bit early yeah. Yeah. Once notably, I thought I was on an empty carriage of the Bakerloo line um, with somebody that I was dating. And actually, it wasn't that empty. I, but it's fine. I heard, I heard that the Bakerloo line, there's something to do, there's some sort of gay like thing where if you get on the final carriage of the Bakerloo line at like 11 pm on a Tuesday, that means you want to like get down to it. 
apparently. Yeah, I've heard that. Yeah. I wasn't sure it was for a specific line, but it's good that we've got clarification because <laughs> I've spent a lot of time on the last carriage of the Northern Line and nothing's happened. Just going round and round. <laughs> on the... you, you just went to Morden. <laughs> then you were in Morden. And then went back and then came back. <laughs> yeah. um, I was So speaking of trains... I was mm-hmm. really intrigued. It must be a cultural thing. I guess Americans don't get trains as much because Samantha and Carrie were like, "Oh, a train!" and Samantha's like, "Oh, I've always wanted to get a train." And it's like, "Have you not got a train before?" But it's a, it's because it's a cross country train, so that's like like mm. long distances across the whole of America. I'm sure they've been on the subway. Yeah, well, maybe not. Imagine being on a train for three days. Yeah, when they said three days, I was like, "Oh, that's too long." I wouldn't want to be on it. Now, Dylan, you are, you have American citizenship. You know how enormous the United States yeah. is. This is not like, I mean, so to put it in perspective, this week I'm going up to Edinburgh. That's six hours. Yeah. Whereas six hours from New York would probably get you out as far as Boston, I would have thought. So Yeah, it is huge. Mm. Um, yeah. I got a sleeper train in Egypt. That was cool. But mm. it... I've never done. I've never done a sleeper train ever. Mm. I like it. It's a nice, cozy feeling when you're like on a move, going to sleep on a moving train in a bed. Have a little nap. I've I've done a sleeper train to Edinburgh because it was um, half the price, <laughs> so I was I was saving saving money. No free songs though. <laughs> How did it work? So did you do you, you leave London, go to sleep, and when you wake up, you're just miraculously in Edinburgh? Yeah, you just sort of, but it's just like alarmingly slow. So I feel like you leave at like eleven p.m. And then for mm-hmm. some reason you arrive at like 7am. I'm like, who's, I could have walked that. Like it's a very stressful <laughs> train, but it was lovely. It was lovely. I had a nap. Lovely. Oh, <laughs> because, so I mean, Carrie and Samantha, I shared their horror at the deluxe first class sleeper, which did look shit. And yes, there was a shower over the toilet. <laughs> Did that? Do you have that on the Caledonian sleeper as well? Do you have a little toilet with a shower? I don't think maybe there is a shower on there. I mean, I was quite alarmed by the the shower over the toilet, but it feels like you could really use that to your advantage and be quite efficient. <laughs> like <laughs> while you're going to the toilet, yeah, ablutions <laughs> and body movement, all bowel at, movement, all at once, mm-hmm. and you could brush yeah. your teeth as well. <laughs> Mm, no, no, no. That's now you're a triple threat. <laughs> I didn't mm. think of toothbrushing. <laughs> um, what was I going to say? Um, yeah, and it's Samantha's ridiculous line. Like, I'm starting to understand why there was a murder on the Orient Express. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think so. Where it fits, where it fits for me now that we are the foremost experts on Carrie Bradshaw, yes. is she's living in a fucking fantasy. And she compares it to um, some like it hot. So yeah, she's turning up. She turns even, up in a little outfit with her little suitcase. Like she wriggles, she yeah, wriggles down the it. sort of the concourse. But it goes to that once again. Carrie is so unhinged. She is separate from reality. She thinks her life is a film. I don't think. Or maybe again, maybe she had brown mind is what? Maybe she really did think it was like going to be like Murder on the Orient Express where they were going to go down to the catering car and it'd be like little lacy tablecloths. Little table and... lamps. Yeah. No. Um, I just can't think of anything worse. Having flown, I flew to New Zealand and that was 26 hours of being vertical in business class. <laughs> Um, or actually, no, that I could have got horizontal. Yeah, I have no desire to to sleep on forms of transport. It's not comfortable. Um, yeah, not good. To to your point about Carrie, I rewatching it in twenty twenty two was like genuinely alarmed. <laughs> <laughs> Delusional. She's not. She's not okay. She's not okay. No, is she? I thought. Like I remember her being like sort of a little bit sort of aspirational and wanting the best from her life. Uh, but now I'm watching it back and as a 30 something, um, depending on when you're listening to this. And I just feel like she's actually like not not present on this earth at that time. <laughs> she's transcended to another plane. She has some sort of like delusional energy. She has a psychic virus, that's incorporation. Couple uh, reference. Thank you. Uh, she's just something is not, not okay with her and I worry I don't feel like her friends are giving her enough concern Miranda's lack of presence in this episode was noted because she is the most grounded of them all <laughs> yeah I think that's part of why this episode was so unhinged like without Miranda 
It was just a bit. It was just like mad. <laughs> like, because Samantha was also giving quite unhinged energy Samantha. as well. Like her hair. She'd had a strange haircut this week. I think it did look. It looked like dare I say it, a wig. Um, like a very badly razored wig. It's when she like um, bursts into the cabin and just, just looks completely mad. And Carrie's like... I have to go to the bar yeah. now. Wow. It was, I think she was going for like a slightly rock chick energy. But I did... Mm-hmm. I did the hair did give... Um, it, it gave a slightly bimini bombula sort of like mother <laughs> moments. Yes, that was. I was trying to think which drag queen, and I, I think once Raja also took a razor to a wig as well. Mm. Um, but Carrie, let's stick with Carrie. So again, trigger warning for Chris now. So we know he's a wrong one, but sadly he's in every season of Sex and the City. We can't really avoid him. Um, Carrie is excited because she wants to go and see Mister Big. Question, why doesn't she just fuck someone in New York? Or she does also say she just wants a man to lay on top of her. Could she possibly feign an injury to get a paramedic? <laughs> it's an option. I, I, when she said that, I was like, why has someone not purchased her a weighted blanket? I feel like that. <laughs> yes, I was going to say, yes. I was, but yeah, I was like, is Mr. Big really the only guy? Like, surely she's got, she's got Dennis Duffy from 30 Rock. Who she used to hook yeah. up with? She's got um, she's got a few people. She's got the nice alcoholic guy. She could give him a call. Yeah, no, I think she needs to leave him in treatment. Yeah. I think Justin through she's got as well. Um, yeah, yeah. so many men. Surely... John Bon Jovi. Yeah, but she's got John Bon Jovi. Bradley Cooper. She hooked up with once. She could give him a call. Yeah, she. Right. Yeah, it's. But no, she wants. She wants to feel the weight of Mr. Big on top of her. She's really horny. Um, and curiously, she becomes briefly one of those women who wants to fuck inanimate objects because the rocking of the train arouses her as well. She says nine hours on the train has helped her horniness. Motion, the motion of the train. Mm. It was a lot. Next to that lovely Amish couple who were just trying to enjoy some crisps. Yeah. Like... <laughs> That's very offensive. And Samantha was like, if she has a problem, she can get a buggy. Like, that's <laughs> borderline problematic. Yeah. I mean, maybe they were not respectful of their religious freedoms in that moment. Like a rare small minded moment from Samantha. But I mean, um, and when she said to Carrie, that was when she said to Carrie, like, let's just say you start, you, you look like you belong on a track. Because um, that is the other big problem for the week, which is Carrie's spot. Yes. Um, I've, I don't think I've in any, including teen dramas. I don't think I've seen so much consternation about a blemish ever. Yeah, she like didn't want to leave. She didn't want people to even see her. I was like, people get spots, Carrie. Tia, as a drag queen, um, what should a person in Carrie's predicament be doing? How should one cover up a blemish? Um, as as someone with uh, extremely problematic skin who also wears a lot of makeup, I don't think you should. I think you should live your best life. <laughs> Just someone, someone is alarmed by a spot on someone's face, but that person is as delusional as Carrie Bradshaw. Yeah. Like, it's, it's fine. But also, I'm pretty sure concealer was invented back then, so let's all calm down, Carrie. <laughs> Yeah, wild. And Emma Smith, the poor makeup team who had to invent various degrees of blemish to put on, including one which I think was just a big red spot of lipstick, if I'm honest. <laughs> the the squeezed one, it was like a big bloop, boop. Um, but it's fine because there were some strange timeline issues around them arriving in San Francisco. Because at one point she says she's been on the train for two days. And then when she arrives in San Francisco, she says several days later. Oh, Maybe the journey somehow was extended. I don't know. Oh. But then, um, thankfully, we we only have half an episode on train. And then we arrive in San Francisco. Definitely, ne- this, <laughs> definitely never went to San Francisco. <laughs> this was clearly somewhere in New York. And um, where Carrie, Carrie meets her nemesis, not Mr. Winkle, Mr. Winkle's fan. Yeah. Who I think is one of my all-time favourite 
one line with one line of dialogue that actor does so much <laughs> when is when is mr winkle coming out <laughs> in a mere moment <laughs> which is my favorite response of all time as well in but a mere moment um i no i, I don't you know tia no stranger to the meet and greet mm. have you ever sat alone in vip like candy muse oh Many a time. <laughs> I did think that that book moment of those questions were giving me like very triggering meet and greet flashbacks. Oh no. <laughs> uh, just like the sense of, I remember on the season two tour, we all had like, we sort of did it in two groups. Mm-hmm. Um, the groups that I like to refer to as like the cool fashion ones and then the ones who are pleasant to be around. Um, oh. and I, was, <laughs> I was in a pleasant group. Um, and it, there were often groups of people who would just come in and you knew that they didn't really want to talk to you because nobody was over there. So you just sort of like move <laughs> them along. So in this context, I sort of framed it as like Mr. Winkle is obviously the Bimini Von Boulash of books. Um, <laughs> and Carrie was giving very sort of, you know, Veronica Green trying to sweetly deal with the situation <laughs> kind of energy. So yeah, I really identified with that that moment. I did too. I mean, the, the thing is, I wish I could go back and tell 2012 Juno, just don't do it. Don't put yourself through it. And back then I was a debut and you would get these very, very sweet sort of regional branches of Waterstones. And I will never, ever forget my first ever in-store. A bookseller reached out from Waterstones Kettering. I'm still, I'm not sure what Kettering is, um, but it's a place. And I went there and nobody knew who I was. Nobody had read my books. Nobody had read any of my books because I only had one out. I was just a primary school teacher with a book deal. And yeah, it was awful. And people came in and just kept asking me, where is Fifty Shades of Grey? Oh, like, have you got any copies of it? And so that was my Mr. Winkle moment. But at least Carrie was upstaged by a Pomeranian. I was upstaged by badly written erotica. So <laughs> I think you might need to fact check, but I believe... Um, Lindsay Lohan was once invited to switch on the lights in Kettering uh, for Christmas. I remember I think this. Is in, that real? I think so. And in fact, I was wondering why Kettering rang a bell in my head and it was because of, <laughs> of that. <laughs> but I don't think she turned up. I can't remember what happened. No, she said, I believe she sent like a very heartfelt apology. <laughs> she was very grateful to be invited. Um, did Natalie Cassidy also want to have a line about Kettering and EastEnders? <laughs> <laughs> I think she might have said where's Kettering once Oh, I love that our heads are just full of this stuff And yeah, I don't really know how to pay taxes Like, it's, <laughs> it's just... I don't But that is, what it, that is what it is to be a queer person <laughs> That's what makes us queer Which is we can, we can throw out a pop culture reference But I had to, I had to hire someone to buy me a house. That's basically <laughs> the only way I could do an adult responsibility. Was a nice man called Jonathan did it for me. So oh. thanks, Jonathan. Oh, shout out to thanks. Jonathan. Shout out to Jonathan. Whoop, whoop. Um, I don't. I still don't know what a mortgage is. I know I have one, but Jonathan did it. So yeah, it's I've got no idea. It's probably scamming me. This is probably going to be used as evidence <laughs> when Jonathan, Jonathan, who has managed to skim several thousand pounds off Juno's bank account. Um, yeah, meet and greet Carrie. Oh, I. You know, we're quite critical of Carrie on this podcast, but that that moment was beautiful. When is Mr. Winkle coming out? But it's fine, because who else is in the crowd? It's Mr. Big. And then, now again, our listeners really love it when I just talk about my life. Um, That's true. If you write a memoir, warning to both of you, if you write a memoir, your ex-boyfriends will reach out to you and will want to talk about the relationship. Now, I'm not I won't say who it is because I don't know I don't know if this person listens to the podcast. But the same thing happened when Gender Games came out. I wrote about somebody who I had dated in my 20s who did have a really sort of significant impact on me because in a lot of ways it was the first time I'd fallen in love and I definitely loved him more than he loved me, I think. And um and I wrote about this at great length in my book, and I thought I'd done it really well at disguising his identity. Like I gave him a fully made up name and everything. And then sure enough, I got a little phone call after the book came out and he was like, I'm so sorry oh. for everything I did. And like Harry, the only response was, it's fiction, <laughs> I embellish. 
finished. My editor needed a storyline. I love it when she's like trying to get laid, obviously, and she's like, it's not even a bestseller. <laughs> Fiction. <laughs> just li- lie on top of her. She could she could just put several copies of the book down her body, but no, she wants Mr. Big. Um, but nobody warns you about that. Nobody warns you that your exes will come forward in this instance the guy had such a good get out of jail free card because i transitioned and so i was able to look even if you had married me i would have eventually become a woman and you are a gay man yeah you are off the hook fly my tiny carrier pigeon it's no one's it's no one's uh it's no one's fault is it no it's no one's fault maybe he knew i think he said that he said i think on some level i knew and i was like really <laughs> I didn't, so... <laughs> um, what was I going to say? But yeah, I love the poetry, though, of Carrie getting bitten in the ass by her by her own writing. Like, and it is a good scene when he's, like, when she's, like, desperately wanting to shag and he's just, like, sitting reading the book, like, keeps reading out passages and she's like, stop it. <laughs> I, I, see, I did not care for that because I felt, I felt like it, Carrie was being, like, by denying the whole thing, Big's obviously trying to do the right thing and all of that kind of thing. Like they're in the room together. Carrie's got this one objective about what she wants. I felt like she was um, a next level of like unhinged, but also just a little bit, I don't want to say gaslighty, but a little bit like manipulative in the situation, just being like, no, just kidding. It was a lie, <laughs> which is not the same as sort of like releasing this person away from you. You're just trying to pretend that something wasn't the case so that this man will have sex with you, which is just wild, <laughs> like wild. That is actually now you've meant that is quite coercive. That isn't cool. But then that, that does lead us to ultimately our point, which is, is Carrie, again, is she behaving like, the man in this situation saying anything to get somebody into bed. So I think that's what they're trying to do, which is Carrie's behaviour is traditionally masculine um, in that she is willing to say anything so that Big will put out. She's telling him what he wants to hear. Um, However, let's take a little break. Um, Carrie has taken a Valium. She's done. Um, We're going to take a little break and then when we get back, we will talk about... Um, Charlotte um, shagging Harry, basically. See you in a second. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, welcome back to So I Got to Thinking. This week, you are listening to Juna and Dylan and our very special guest, Tia Coffee. Um, we're talking about a big, the big journey. Um, let's consider... So basically, Samantha doesn't really do anything this week. She goes with Carrie um, and notably doesn't get laid on a train. I was going to say, another episode where Samantha hasn't had sex. It's been like three weeks now and Samantha hasn't had sex. What's going on? On for her. <laughs> yeah um, So Samantha doesn't have anything to do She has an amusing bath <laughs> scene Where she is 
fully bubbly and proud and naked around Carrie. Again, it's so funny when they do these little Samantha and Carrie storylines. How much do you think they hated each other at this point? Oh, <laughs> yeah. It just taints it all, doesn't it? Oh, or makes it better. <laughs> I'm like, I really want to rewatch like all of the scenes of the two of them together just to see if there's any like any hint. Yeah, like a little zhuzh mm. of of wild hatred coming through. Um, what a shit time though Samantha had on this episode. So she gets dragged on a train like by Carrie, and then gets kicked out of her hotel room. <laughs> it's like by Carrie. Carrie. <laughs> oh, Samantha. <laughs> Yeah, I wonder if the sort of the tension between them, I wonder if that's why Kim Cattrall gave the performance of her career every week, because there was no way she was going to be shown up by Sarah Jessica Parker. Mm. So I wonder if it's a bit like old, good old Ryan Murphy's feud with um, old Jessica Lang and Susan Sarandon, just desperately kind of forcing each other to up their game. Because I don't think anybody questions that SJP and Kim Cattrall are both phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, Carrie is deranged, but mm-hmm. she's so good at being deranged. Yeah, so like <laughs> Sarah Jessica Parker, someone who used to be Samantha just burst into my carriage. You know, kind of, it's so good. Um, but I wonder if that's what you get. I wonder if frenemies can be professionally rewarding. Answers on a postcard. Tea or coffee? <laughs> are there other drag queens who make <laughs> you raise your game? <laughs> Um, I would not like to comment on uh, whether or not I am frenemies with uh, any drag queens at this point um, in time, but I hope Ahura is doing well. Um, (laughs) It's nothing but honesty. I think that's a fair point because like even like you mentioned Ryan Murphy, but it made me immediately think of like like Leah Michelle, Naya Rivera, like everyone in the cast of Glee who like could not stand Leah Michelle secretly. But then eventually like all of these side characters became like the most iconic characters. They must've been like absolutely fighting their way tooth and nail mm. to try and get some airtime and try and get storylines and try and get um, some questionable uh, show choir versions of pop songs in there as well. <laughs> so like, I felt like it works on every level. And it must be, it must be an intense environment working. I mean, you've both worked on TV shows. Like, it must be a really mm. intense. You're with. I, I imagine you're with people for like hours and hours on end, aren't you? Like you're with each other in each other's up in each other's space for hours and hours. So, I, I mean, I, I can only really speak of Holby. My my brief stint on Holby, but I was there. Everybody was lovely, but everybody was incredibly professional. Oh. And I realised no one on that set wanted to stay late. <laughs> so, get it fucking right. Because otherwise, because everybody else is getting it right. You know, you hit your mark and you get your line because nobody wants to be here at midnight in the middle of a pandemic in Elstree and Borehamwood. So I was certainly, certainly the professionalism of the other actors kept me on my toes. I don't know what Tia thinks. Well, I don't know because I just wasn't really competitive. Reality TV is completely different. Mm. So like for me, I was genuinely there for RuPaul's best friend race, being like, this will be lovely. I'll have 11 new friends. How nice for me. (laughs) Turns out not the case because everyone wanted to really fight for that prize of nothing. (laughs) Um, So like, I just personally didn't get it. I was like, why is everyone being so mean? Oh, because there are cameras. Oh, I see. (laughs) Um, So I can't relate, but during my time as a not seen on screen extra um, in a Harry Potter film, um, I can absolutely relate to the uh, the professionalism of actors, even though J.K. Rowling is absolutely the worst person. Um, but, you know, I was a Hufflepuff student and I'll keep that on my LinkedIn. Which, which wow, film? Wow, that's amazing. I might, this, this, might be a re- this might be a reason to go back and watch oh, you cursed can't, film. You can't see me at any point, but I know that a you know. swoosh of a yellow robe in the background is me. That's <laughs> Nice. In which one? In in which movie? Uh, Prisoner of Azkaban. Oh, there you go. Oh. Which is the best one? Oh my god, you were in the, best, the one. best one. So there you go. I knew there was a reason why that was the best one, and it's because <laughs> I sensed tea coffee was wafting a scarf. Um, my so. friend, my weird coincidence, my friend Flick was uh, Emma Watson's body double on that film as well. Oh, then. Oh wow, yeah. Flick. We saw the body doubles quite a lot. We probably had um, lunch together at some point. Uh, Flick Miles, she's called. She's very nice. Oh yeah, I remember. Oh. I remember now. <laughs> oh, that's lovely. What a small what world. A small world. Lovely. Harry Potter. 
<laughs> um, let's talk about um, ugly sex. Ugly um, sex Anthony Marantino. Now, I will say this. Anthony Marantino's little quote has stayed in my head my whole life. It's one of those lines that I do think has a little ring of truth to it. And I will say why I think it has a little ring of truth to it. Because when I was dating, and if I was dating somebody who I considered to be out of my league um, in any way, I became very self-conscious. And, you know, I remember once going out with this guy who I thought was really, really hot. Worst sex I've ever had. Because I was trying so hard to do like the full porn experience. And it was just dreadful. I felt all wrong. Whereas there were some guys in my past who didn't get to meet my friends. Sorry, this makes me sound like a horrible person. But I didn't think they were sort of like long-term potential. But the sex was uninhibited and wild. And it felt a bit taboo and a bit naughty. I will say in particular, there was one older guy who I used to see when I was in my early 20s and you know for so many reasons he was never going to be like a boyfriend boyfriend but um it was really hot and nobody ever knew about it until now Mm. on my podcast just after (laughs) a few thousand listeners (laughs) yeah as we reach our millionth listener it felt like a great time to share this story (laughs) um Tia do you agree ugly sex hot or not I do agree and I feel like I'm very conscious of the fact that it might sound like a bit narcissistic but I do feel like it's better if I feel like I'm the hot one yeah and that doesn't necessarily mean that the other person has to be unattractive it just means that the other person has to make me feel like I'm absolutely banging and then like you have a great time and I can totally relate with um I'm not going to name names uh, me self-consciously checking my phone just in case it's text me. Um, but like when I feel like my partner is too attractive, I get in my head and get very self-conscious. And that I think makes them also sort of get self-conscious about like what what this energy is in this situation when really you should be like loosey-goosey and free and feeling elegant and fine. Exactly. And you have to be able to laugh. We've said so many times on this podcast that sex is best when it's funny yeah. and if you're feeling if you're feeling self-conscious you're not going to be having the best time i once now this kind of speaks to my ego i think more than anything else but i was with i was with i know exactly what you mean to you and i agree and i was with like a really gorgeous guy on a hookup once and he was too i started to actually get a bit jealous i was like you're, he's he's prettier than me and this is i don't like it <laughs> and that's how we met my my worst one was was a random hookup with an incredibly beautiful danish man and i was like this is embarrassing for me (laughs) because you you don't want to be here i know you don't want to be here i don't know why you're here really um this is really strange let's just get this over with Yeah, distressing for everyone involved. It's a weird, it's a weird energy, like being that I do live in Clapham and frequent the two brewers where the clientele is exclusively uh, socially awkward people like me or everyone else who definitely goes to whatever gym is across the road. So like, I just feel like I can't approach those kinds of people because like there's also an energy that feels maybe a little bit, like if anyone ever thinks that they... If anyone seems to me like they think that they're better than me, I'm not going to engage with them anyway. So even if someone wants to approach you and have that conversation, you're already on the back foot because I've made a judgment call that like you you think you can do better. So I don't need this like uh-huh. coming up to me at the end of the night because everyone hot's gone home kind of thing. <laughs> I don't need the taps on grinder. <laughs> We used to have, when when I used to go to the two brewers a lot with my friends, we used to classify guys into team hot or team fun. And sometimes you would see a guy and you would say, what do you think, team hot or team fun? And there was something so disappointing about when you realised there was just that, no, they're they're not here for fun. They're just here to look good. Mm. And then the, the dream was clocking somebody as team hot but then realizing no no they're team fun look at them they're dancing to the spice girls they look ridiculous <laughs> they know all the dance routine to stop they are uninhibited they are clearly having fun brilliant and that's kind of what you want but i mean 
I love how this episode has to do a lot of work to make us think that Evan Handler as Harry Goldenblatt is gross. Like, given that he's so cute, is Evan Handler. And so they've kind of gone to great length in that he has tissue stuck to his face. He's dripping. He's dripping on Charlotte's divorce papers. They've given him big old sweat patches, which we never see again. We never see sweaty, dripping Harry ever again. Um, Because... But then I suppose Charlotte's always had a type, hasn't she? And and Harry is not her type in that she normally goes out with men who look like Ken. Tor- she likes Ken Tory men, doesn't she? Or I guess Republican. Thoroughbred Tories, yeah. yeah. Um, it was I thought it was sexy though that scene, that scene where they like get together in the end, where they're like in the bachelor pad, and he's like, I wanna, I wanna kiss your lips, and I was like, oh, this is quite sexy. I quite like it. Because confidence is really sexy. And in that moment, Harry is being really confident and expressing some light sexual thoughts. And I I found Harry quite sexy in that scene as well. I I feel like the recurring theme of this conversation is that you're both seeing, like, the joy of the situation. And I'm sat there being like... (laughs) This man took her to a place she's never been, then starts talking about her pink lips, dimming the lights. Like, I found it creepy. I was like, nope, that I need, like, good... calm or something to get out of the situation. That is a good point. Well, I mean, I'm, glad, I'm glad you're here, too, because that is that is meant to be our remit. Yeah. So we have just spectacularly failed in our remit as a critical eye. On we just got carried, we got seduced, like, like Charlotte did. We got seduced by the music in the zebra print. <sighs> rug which oh i in that situation i also absolutely would have been seduced oh yeah i'd have been (laughs) i was like oh what's gonna happen (laughs) i I love when she just like chucks her bag down and just goes for it she's like right i'm gonna go for it (laughs) because again she in that scene she decides to be the bachelor um i also love the insane go-go boys wherever I love that Anthony Marantino thinks this is a great place to take his cis straight friend for a cocktail. And, and it looks like they just want to enjoy a delicious cosmopolitan with a go-go boy. There's a scene. Crotch. There's like a crotch above them. There's a brief moment where it cuts to Charlotte, like at the very start of the scene. And she's just sort of sitting like, and you can just see like legs like around her. And it's like, what are you doing? What, what is she doing there? <laughs> I used to do that before I transitioned. I was really bad. If I really wanted to get laid, I would take my cis female friends to gay bars for like a drink. No, that wasn't. No, I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> that, that said, there was never a speedo clad crotch at eye level. So it wasn't that bad. <laughs> I always like whenever I see scenes like that, like uh, from shows of the past, I always wonder like, the two people who were cast in that role of like hot calves, like what 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 are they doing now? Like I always wonder about their lives. Like where did you go on from there? I hope I hope they like kept working hard and they sort of got to wherever they needed to be. I'm sure they have a very lovely life. <laughs> yeah. Very, well, you you say that. Yesterday I googled what happened to the little girl from the ring. Oh no. Like nothing good happened to the little girl from the ring. So just. I don't. I don't want to go into it, but she was arrested with a crack pipe. So. <laughs> okay, <laughs> not ideal. Um. <laughs> um, so right before we wrap up, we've got to answer this deranged question, which is: Are women the new bachelors? Hmm. So let's break this down. So Carrie seems to think that bachelors are typified by a certain kind of behaviours, which is kind of buying a Ferrari. Um, telling lies to get people into bed, sleeping with younger people. Um, Briefly, we see Miranda watching sports and drinking beer in the comfort of her own home. Um, So I guess the point they're trying to eke out, which is now that women are not under the same pressure to marry that perhaps they once were, and women are equal economically independent and don't need to marry for stability can women now have the same choices as men and where do we factor gay people into this as well because obviously she does refer to Anthony as a confirmed bachelor which I thought was mildly offensive given that he ends up married to Stanford so. <laughs> I mean I feel like it's an odd one because these questions that yes. ask in these episodes you can't like you can't sort of like fast forward it to now and be like, what's what is this commentary on like gender roles that they were trying to make at the time? 
it's like everything's very different um but I I don't know I kind of feel like it's uh the point they're trying to make is yes in the episode yeah yeah can you can you ever sort of like ignore the fact that like socially there are still going to be judgment calls on like all of these people like how many times does sexually awakened Samantha have to deal with sort of like people judging her as being slutty and commenting on isn't there an episode where Carrie had to go at her about blowjobs or something yeah we have yeah, we, we had that a couple of a couple of weeks ago yeah we've just we done had that, that recently yeah <laughs> so, like they're all very judgy about that and mm. Carrie's a sex Carrie the sex columnist is judgy about that it feels like <laughs> once again we were we were within sniffing distance of a feminist point about has the financial independence of woman brought about a new class of womanhood which is the the notion of a bachelor and do do you need a word for that because you know whereas men get bachelor women often get spinster or mm. a crone or, or something you know, like, nothing nothing complimentary or even like where a man might get called a bachelor a woman might just get called a slut or something like it's yeah. very yeah. that it's very that so the point they're making, actually, and I think this would be the way more interesting conversation to have, what is the female equivalent of a bachelor? Mm. You know, what, what, because there are, I know, women, cis straight women who have no intention of marrying. They're now in their sort of late 30s, early 40s. They have got their houses, they've got their pets, they've got their careers, and don't seem all that sad about the fact they are living a life that they've designed for themselves, often a huge criticism from their families. Mm. I know a few of these women who are still under enormous pressure from their families to, when will you meet someone? When will you settle down? And it's a shame that the notion of a woman sort of embracing her singledom, just it's, let's, let's be honest, it is never fully considered in the canon of Sex in the City. Mm. They're never going to answer that question. No, but I think also like outside of the show and even like in more recent times, like that conversation is still extremely judgmental. Like if you think, this is probably a very niche reference, but like if you think about like people talking about like lads, like you can have a lads night out, like lads on the town, lads, lads, lads. Um, And I remember there was a show called Ladette to Lady where they like absolutely Mm -hmm. made it seem disgraceful that these women's were women's were doing like (laughs) exactly the same thing that like is totally fine when it's like a group of lads like having a night out, like smashing beer cans on their foreheads. I don't I don't know what what lads do on nights out, but like that as soon as like it's it's put in the context of like a group of women it's suddenly absolutely despicable and they have to be refined into like classy young ladies in order to you know find a husband and and raise children because that's their only role and responsibility please don't take the clip out of context (laughs) (laughs) we're gonna we're gonna make a trailer announcing you we're just gonna play that that out of context um no but actually no so i was gonna say I was thinking as you were talking, a really great antithesis to all of that stuff now is stuff like Love of Huns um, and that kind of culture is I think Mm. making it a bit more acceptable for women to be like quote unquote laddie and like, do you you see where I'm going with this? Yeah. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? And like drinking wine and like all that kind of thing. I don't know. (laughs) I didn't. So yes, a separate, yeah, because I think you're right. Because I think that kind of Hun culture it's unashamedly feminine. So this episode, what this episode I think for me gets wrong is it sort of has them all behaving like men, which suggests there is only one kind of way to be a man. Whereas actually, possibly Carrie could have said, you know, a way of being a woman, but also being a single woman, you know, that celebrates womanhood, but also singleness. Um, but very, very strange. And I think I think we have to just take a big step back from this episode and just say they needed an excuse to get Carrie to San Francisco to bring back Mr. Big. And that is the whole point of this episode. And maybe we're just looking way too much into it. <laughs> and in the end, um, Big does morning sex, which, as I've said many times on this podcast, is an abomination that when I'm in charge of the world, it will be forbidden. <laughs> because... 
it's just I just can't believe anybody really wants it when when you could just have a little sausage sandwich instead. Just uh, <laughs> <laughs> do you know what two p.m. for me is the sweet spot? Two p.m. sex at two p.m. What? Don't you have things to do? <laughs> <laughs> that's just what I was going to say. That's what I was thinking. Thank you for saying it. That's what I was thinking. Well, I, work from, I work from home now. You <laughs> work from home. Uh, well. <laughs> I was going to say, if Dylan is, if Dylan's employer is listening to this, he means two p.m. on a weekend yes. and bank holiday. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, yeah, but like you've you've sort of woken up. You sorted yourself out. You. You haven't eaten yet, so you can eat afterwards. Yeah, 2 p.m. Oh, well, um, thank you for shaming me for having breakfast. Um, <laughs> I have eaten by that point. I've been up for about eight hours by that point. That's, I'm, that's when I start winding down. I start to think about my tea at 2 p.m. I'm from the north. Oh, so. a weird line. As while well, we're on sex, when they were at the beginning, when they, when, um, they were talking about prostitutes, that was weird. When... Miranda was like, oh, I wish women could get male prostitutes. You can. Weird, because I had this conversation. I was talking to Victoria Scone. Like, we went to Gran Canaria. And obviously, like, in Gran Canaria, there's lots of the sort of, like, men-only saunas Mm -hmm. and dark rooms and things where you can just, like, essentially go in and um, fill your boots. Yeah. Uh, That was a metaphor for anal sex. Um, But, like... (laughs) Victoria was like, why doesn't that exist for me? Mm. Like, why can't I go to a lesbian sauna? Um, yeah. Which is bizarre, because, like, that, obviously, like, you could get a male prostitute if you wanted to in that kind of context. But, like, that kind of environment culturally doesn't exist, even though sort of gay saunas exist as sort of safe space for that person, that group of people, that community. There's no sort of, like, sexually liberated lesbian equivalent. Hmm. All I can all I can think is if there was a demand for it, I think it would exist. And Charlotte says there is a reason that doesn't exist, and that's because women don't have sex like that. And I don't know if that's I don't know how much truth there is in that because do you know what? We live in a very capitalist society. Mm. If there was customer demand for that, I believe be it would happen. It would be there. Mm. If if somebody could make money from it, they would be making money from it. Mm. But the fact they're not suggests to me that there isn't a huge demand for sex work for women of any sexuality. Because, again, I I slightly agree with Carrie. I think the idea of the male prostitute or the gigolo kind of American gear, Richard Gere fantasy. I do think that I think it might be a bit of a fiction. The economics make total sense that if there was a demand for it, someone would want to make money from it. But is the reason there's not a demand for it because it's not wanted or is it because of the whole social pressure of not being able to be sexually liberated and have that conversation out loud if you are a woman? Yeah. Let's let's tell you what. Let's open it up to our listeners. Um, listeners, nearly all of our listeners are women. Um, please do tell us if you could use an app to get a sexy man to come and either fuck you or lie on top of you, would you use that app? We will run a poll on our Instagram as well um, because I genuinely want to know. They've been vetted. They are all... Well, we have a range of men to cater to your every whim. Um, Yeah, would you use that? And if not, why not? And also, would you go to like an all-female... For for our queer female listeners, would you go to an all-female sex on premises situation they did have they do have one they used to have lesbian nights at the gay sauna in in brighton it's really it's really depressing that it is a monthly night Mm. and i believe they also have a trans night as well for sort of trans people and their admirers but um Mm. that's i mean that is interesting isn't it that out of 31 days in a month only one only one day is given over to gay women. I saw Sweatbox here in London have made a point of saying, like, everyone, all genders are welcome at Sweatbox. Oh. Which is interesting, yeah. But I'm, I imagine it would, it's mostly still cis men. Um, yeah. I would guess. But that's, like, 
Progressive. Yeah, that's cool. The guys who own it, shout out to the owners of Sweatbox. They're cool, Mark and Jason. They are. Thank you, Mark and Jason. Well, I know because this has become a real thing. Because I know, I know various trans men who enjoy a sauna, mm. and whereas the Brighton sauna is trans inclusive, not all of them are. Mm. And you know, there there have been a couple of noted cases where trans men have gone into saunas and have been shamed and basically chased out with a pitchfork. So. Sorry, that went in a different direction, didn't it? Um, but now it's all very relevant because this is about, again, this, this bachelor behaviour and who gets to behave like that? Who gets to behave like a bachelor? And like Tia said, is it because society is set up for men to behave like that? So women just can't behave like that because you're either shamed or there simply isn't the means. There aren't any places or people you can go to. Gosh, maybe this episode was more... More deep than we thought. In depth. Yeah, maybe maybe I wrote it off as being a zany train caper, <laughs> when in fact, it reveals a lot about patriarchy. So, shame on I'm me. I'm definitely going to start ordering a martini and an airplane, wherever I am now. Even if I'm in Weatherspoons, I'm going to be like, a martini and an airplane, that's what I want. <laughs> I want the scallops from the start. The scallops. Um, were they good? The were they bad? scallops. We'll never know. <laughs> Miranda, Miranda and Charlotte really enjoyed the scallops. <laughs> and they did make me slightly crave scallops. So. Me too. Yes, <laughs> um, Tia Coffee, thank you so much for visiting us at So I Got to Thinking. Because you are very, very busy. Um, what's happening now? You have been making music. Um You've been had a very busy summer, a lot of festivals, a lot of prides. We're coming to the end of pride season now. Are you just going to lie down in a dark room with a flannel on your face? Yeah, I think once the prides are over, um, it's over to the, the Uber Eats delivery or other food ordering apps um, in order to um, provide myself with sustenance, possibly scallops, as discussed, <laughs> mm-hmm. when you get them. Um, and just have a little, little break and get back into the studio and start making more music. Um, I do call myself the Taylor Swift of drag, so these conversations about writing about your exes have been very helpful. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you should do. You should do a lovely ballady. You should do um, like you know when she went all cottage. You should do the Tea and Coffee Cottage Core album. That would be lovely. Oh, I yeah, just for winter, just the musings, the musings of a drag queen. Oh, maybe like yeah, lovely, sad. like blanket, a blanket, and a pumpkin spice latte, mm. like a sad hug. <laughs> mm. yeah. That could be the name of the album. That's what I want. Sad hug. <gasps> Tea or coffee, sad hug. Yeah. Oh, thank you. <laughs> um, can you also, if you could go back to Gran Canaria, um, the week, the week of the sixteenth of September, that's when I will be there, and I would like somebody to show me around the Yumba Center because I've never been. Okay. So if you could arrange that, that would be really helpful. Do you know what? I'm probably actually free. I might do it because I miss it. It was very fun. Very strange. Yeah. Very fun. <laughs> Oh my gosh, it's like what, like a shopping centre of gay bars and drag queens. Yeah, yes. But there are only like three bars. Like everyone's made it seem like this miraculous thing, but like everything's walking distance. It's very bizarre. <laughs> You'll have a wonderful time. There's a Burger King in the middle that's open what appears to be 24 hours. Oh, wow, nice. Sorted. So I'm going to be fed and watered. <laughs> Amazing. Um, again, thank you very, very much for coming on the podcast. Where can we find you on social media? Although I'm sure all our listeners probably follow you already, but... Thank you for having me. Um, if you enjoyed my presence here, you can follow me at Tia Coffee, T-I-A-K-O-F-I. Uh, if you did not enjoy my presence here, it's at It's Taste. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and all of Tia's music is on Spotify as well. And do join us next week when we will be rounding out this very short season of So I Got to Thinking with season five, episode eight, I love a charade or charade, depending on where you're from. Um, Until then, look after yourselves and we'll see you next week. Bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. 
Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.